Open your Bibles, please, to Second Samuel chapter 15. We continue our <coughs> series of lessons on justice, and we're continuing the portion of that that we've called the good and evil portion. Tonight we'll give you some old and a lot of new. Second Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for a judgment. That controversy doesn't mean what we mean as a controversy. It means just a difference of opinion. Controversy to us means tense, tension and and maybe a harshness, but just a difference of opinion, came to the king for judgment. And Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the twelve tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed to the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me. And I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom <coughs> stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now the next verse is very interesting. And it came to pass after 40 years. For 40 years, Absalom spread his garbage to one person at a time. Forty years. He was forty years planning the rebellion against his own father. But one person at a time, as we mentioned, for forty years. Father, bless the study tonight. I pray you'd give my voice extra strength, and I pray you'd give attentiveness to my people, and give us tonight what we need to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Heavenly Father, we come now to the Word of God, and I believe tonight a very important portion of it. I pray you'd help me as I teach it, and our dear people as they hear it, and as we together learn it, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, turn your Bibles again to Second Samuel 15. Hold your place there if you would. We're going to look at it several times after a while. And... Uh, we're going to come back to it. Just, just mark it there or hold it in your lap and then look this way as we start our study. Now we're going to give some... I'm on, the topic of my Bible study tonight is an example of evil. An example of evil. Now, a few basic things to start with, some new and some old. I taught you already that sin, <coughs> sin and evil are not the same in the New Testament. Now, most people think that the word evil and the word sin, sin are synonymous. They are not synonymous. All evil is sin, but all sin is not evil. Don't forget that. Not many folks know that. For example, the word sin in the New Testament, Greek, the Greek word is, is the word <coughs> armatia, um, uh, or some, some, uh, uh, some uh, uh, form of the word uh, armatia. And that's, that's the word always is, always is. 
But the word evil is never that Greek word. It's the word kekos, or phoneros, or thalos, or phalos, either one. And all carry with them the inflicting of pain on others. Now, <coughs> sin, <coughs> sin is breaking the law of God, missing the mark. Sin is anything that's wrong. That's sin. But a part of sin is evil. And evil is one of the worst parts of sin because evil is that which you do to injure somebody else. You follow me? The word kekos, for example, means to injure. It, it implies nearly every time a union of people. A couple of people getting together to hurt somebody else. Or a group of people. A conspiracy, if you please, to hurt somebody else. Now, students, we all, we don't take notes on Wednesday night. We look right this way. Everybody pays attention looking right this way now. And let's get started with, with, with that right off the bat. So, uh, sin is anything that is wrong. Evil is anything that is wrong that hurts somebody else, especially if there is a group involvement. For example, ask the question, drinking liquor, sin or evil? Sin. Selling liquor or evil? Evil. Uh, smoking cigarettes, sin or evil? Sin. Selling cigarettes, sin or evil? Evil. Uh, 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 cursing, sin or evil? Gossip, sin or evil? Evil. You get the idea? You get the idea. All right. <coughs> then you ask, you ask, you guys on the platform, you ask one. Just call a sin out. Just any of your sins. <laughs> Lying. Um, that could be either one, couldn't it? Uh, could be either <coughs> sin or evil. <coughs> the kind I think you have in mind would be evil. <laughs> well, what are your sins, Bob? Theft. Uh, stealing. Is that, is that uh, a sin or evil? Uh, I think I better use some of you freshmen in the college out here that know more Bible. But, all right. Okay. So, sin is anything that's what? Talk to me. Anything that's what? Wrong. Everybody say it. Anything that's what? Wrong. But evil is wrong, which does what to somebody? Which hurts, or let's say injures. How's that? So, evil is sin, which what? Injures somebody. All right? Now then, second thing I want to say, I said the first thing was sin and evil are not the same in the New Testament. Now, somebody's going to say, the houses come out with some heresy again. Well, check your Greek words. Check them. The Greek word for sin is never used concerning evil, and the Greek words for evil are never used concerning sin. Now, the second thing I want to say is... Uh, I want to ask you to tell me, something causes evil. What is it that causes evil? Talk to me out loud. Good. <laughs> Good <coughs> causes evil. Um, Romans 7.21, Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. And we used several passages last week to explain that, 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 that good is what causes evil. Uh, people look at somebody good and they want to chop them down. They look at some folks that are doing good, and they want to, they want to cut, cut them low if they can. So it is good that causes evil. I'm asking this question, number three. What conquers evil? Good. Yes, Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? With what? All right, what causes evil? And what conquers evil? All right, now follow me. If, if here is good right here, and so here's good right here. 
And so good causes evil over here. Okay, good causes evil. Now, what conquers evil? Good. And good causes what? And what conquers evil? And what does that cause more of? Evil. And the, how do you conquer that? Good. So actually, evil is a good way to help you grow in grace. Personally, I have to figure out some other way to do it. But, uh, but uh, so, so good causes evil and good conquers evil. Say that. Good causes evil and good conquers evil. All right, the first three things I've said. First is sin and evil are not the same in the New Testament. Second thing I said was good causes evil, Romans 7, 21. And the third thing, good conquers evil, Romans 12, 21. All right, uh, uh, the fifth, fourth thing I have here, the good causes more evil, as I said a while ago, and on and on. Now, follow me carefully. Okay, here you're doing good. <coughs> now, some people decide to try to hurt you. They may decide to try to hurt you financially. They may decide to hurt you physically. <coughs> physically. They may decide to try to hurt you uh, with gossip or slander. But here you are doing good. Now, now, so good causes what? Now, I want to warn you. If you don't want people to hate you, don't you do much good. I mean, brother, it's going to come. I don't care who you are. It's going to come. How many times have I said, told you this, before we had the big day, we were going to have 3,000 people walk these aisles in one Sunday, and we ended up having 5,190 people. I trembled just like that all the time, planning for that big day, because I knew that good brings evil. And I knew that people would unite to try to do what they could to hurt us. Why? Because good brings evil. Good doesn't sometimes bring evil. Good always brings evil. All right? But here you are, you see. Here's what it's supposed to be. You do good, that brings what? And then we're supposed to do what? More good, then that brings what? More evil, and that we're supposed to do what? Okay, here you are. You're doing good. And then comes what? And you say, I'll get them back. I'll tell what I know about him. I'll get him back. No, and so what you try to do is overcome evil with evil. <laughs> and then what happens is you become a part of the same dirty crowds after you. See? Now, what are you supposed to do? Keep on doing good. Keep on doing good. Yeah. Somebody tries to hurt your college, keep on getting students. Yeah. Somebody tries to hurt your church, keep on winning souls. Keep on doing good. Uh, I mean, uh, unsaved people, they don't know what's going on in ecclesiastical battles. They don't understand. Your, your Bible club kids, they don't care. They could care less about that kind of stuff. Just keep on. You can't. Listen, as long as people are sinful, people are in trouble. As long as people are in trouble, their heart have heartache. As long as they have heartache and are sinful, they have broken hearts and broken lives. As long as they have broken lives and broken hearts where sin is the ground, bound grace does much more abound. So, so, all right. Now then, let me just uh, give you a... A few little things reminded you of. I've got to hurry here because I want to get through by 10 o'clock if I can. <coughs> I reminded you last week of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and sin, but good and evil. For the very thing that Satan was doing in the Garden of Eden was, was a conspiracy against man. With Satan and his demons. A conspiracy against man. Consequently, uh, uh, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I reminded you of Psalm 51, verse 4, after David had sinned. He said, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Now, that was the sin with Bathsheba. The adultery was sin. You got it? And he said, against thee, and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. There are two things that David did. 
David sinned with Bathsheba, did evil in plotting to kill Uriah, her husband. You see? So we have sin and we have evil. Don't misunderstand me. Evil is sin. <laughs> evil is just worse sin than other sin. It's worse to sell liquor than to drink liquor. If you drink it, it just, just hurts you. You sell it, hurts everybody you sell it to. It's, wor- it's worse to gossip than to cuss. There are people in this room right here tonight. <laughs> you teach your children not to cuss. And you grab that little thing called the telephone, and you call on that telephone, and you do worse than cursing. And don't you have no right to tell your children not to curse. When you're going to commit an evil, don't try to keep them a good example. So, uh, it's um, evil and sin. Okay. Uh, I like this. Proverbs 31. It says, concerning the virtuous woman, she will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. Now, tonight, I want to show you as quickly as I can a typical Bible example of evil in the Bible. And I want to show you some characteristics that almost always accompany evil. Now, talking about sin, not talking about reading a dirty magazine, that's sin. I'm talking about evil. I'm talking about some kind of a conspiracy between people to hurt somebody else. And by the way, I don't care if these folks deserve to be hurt. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is his. So when you decide that you are going to take it on your hands to get a spiritual vigilante group in order to punish people that only God's supposed to punish, then you perform an evil conspiracy that is equal to what they're doing. That isn't our job. It's our job to do good. It's our job to win souls. It's our job to feed the hungry. It's our job to clothe the naked. It's our job to help the poor. It's our job to lift the fallen. That's our job. Overcome evil with good. Now an example. The example is a sad story of a son and his father. I want you to, I'm going to give you tonight, and I won't spend much time on any of these, I'm going to give you 12 things that usually accompanies evil. Evil meaning people getting together to try to hurt other people. Number one, look at first, Second Samuel 14, 25. You've got it, chapter 15. Look up a few verses. I'll read that verse out loud with me, please. Second Samuel 14, 25. Ready? But in all Israel... There was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. For the sole of his feet, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. <laughs> uh, my humility prevents me from telling you who I'm thinking about right now. That reminds me of this also. But, now hold it. First, the first thing is, evil usually is committed by very attractive people. Evil is usually committed by very attractive people. You have no problems. Don't worry. This lesson's not for you. Tonight I'm preaching to myself. <coughs> you know why? <coughs> because the devil knows if he's going to try to destroy people, he's got to have people with charisma to be used in that destruction. So, it is usually... Committed by very attractive people. Number two, look at chapters, uh, look at Second Samuel, chapter 14, I think it is, and verse 28. Yeah. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Now look at me, I'll tell you a quick story. 
Absalom had a brother named Amnon and a sister named Tamar. Amnon had done something terrible to his own sister. And because he had, Absalom arranged a, an evil, a conspiracy, and killed his own brother. Now, David was the father of Absalom, and David said to Absalom, for two years, you cannot come before my throne. For two years, you cannot become before my throne. Now, 42 years later, hear me now, 42 years later, Absalom started, I'm sorry, <coughs> accommodated with revolting against his father. Now, I want to say this is something else. Usually, it is caused by hurt feelings a long time ago. Evil is usually caused by hurt feelings a long time ago. You show me people that are doing evil. I'm talking about getting together to hurt somebody. I don't care if they're outside this room or inside this room. I don't care if somebody's trying to get at you or you get at them. Same thing. Or if, I, if somebody tries to get at me and do me hurt, or I get with some people trying to get together to do them hurt. Same thing. Whether I do it or they do it. But it's almost always caused by hurt feelings a long time ago. I can point to almost every enemy I have who's fighting me, and I can tell you something back under one time a long time ago where they got their feelings hurt. Now, the thing for you to do is get those hurts out in a hurry. Don't let those things harbor. Don't let those old hurt feelings linger in there. My child wasn't treated properly uh, at, at the school 14 years ago. And it's been, it's been harboring. And, and by the way, another child did the same thing this year and didn't get the same punishment for it. My child was missing. Oh, don't. Listen, you're hurting nobody but yourself. Don't let those things foster like that. All right? So usually caused by a hurt feeling a long time ago. Number three, it is usually a lifetime task. Evil is usually a lifetime task. David said, Absalom, you, you sin, and you cannot come before my throne. David was the king, my throne, for two years. And it got inside of Absalom, and it, 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 it festered, and festered, and festered, and festered. And then, for 40 years, can you imagine that? For 40 years, he went from McDonald's to McDonald's, taking somebody to buy him a hamburger, So he could tell him to pray for the pastor, or pray for the teacher, or pray for the assistant pastor, because he needs our prayers, because he's in sin right now. Forty years. Look at, look at verse number, whatever it is. They're all good. Look at verse number seven. I'm sorry. Look at verse number, one, number two again. And Absalom rose up early, stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so... That when any man had a controversy came, now look at verse 3, and Absalom said unto him, that's one man at a time. And he, he uses a little speech right there. He said, if, if I were a judge, I'd judge correctly. By the way, he's going against his dad. And now it says in verse number 7, <coughs> it came to pass, <coughs> after 40 years, 40 years, listen, for 40 long, 42 long years, Absalom had something in his heart. But by the way, you can talk to a lot of people one-on-one -on -one in 40 years. You watch these one-on-one -on -one people. You watch these people. Could I, could, I, could I talk to you and give you something that's on my heart? Don't you give them something that's on the end of your arm? Could I, could I just bury my heart to you? Let me take you out to eat. 
And uh, one of, the kind of one-on-one people I like are the people that say Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.12, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10, 9 through 13. That's the one-on-one. But, but one-on-one for 40 years, talking to person after person after person after person after person for 40 long years. I said, number one, evil people usually are very attractive. I said, number two, they usually... Were, uh, were hurt uh, a long time ago. I said, number three, it's usually a lifetime task. I'll get him if it's the last thing. You've heard it. I'll get him if it's the last thing I do. I'll get even with him if it's the last thing I do. And it'll be the last thing you do because you'll, you'll, you'll be so wrapped up in that evil, you won't do anything else. It'll occupy your time. All right, number four. It begins with private conversations. I mentioned that a while ago. Number five. It is usually against someone who built you. Absalom. He's the king's son. It was David who fed him. It was David who clothed him. It was David who trained him. It was David who loved him. It was David who educated him. And evil is usually against someone who built you. For example... Absalom got, got another fellow on his side named Ahithophel. Ahithophel was, was a childhood friend of David. David took Ahithophel from being a nobody. Now hear me carefully. From being a nobody. And he raised that fellow up to being what we would call the secretary of state or the chief of staff. He was David's advisor. David's number one counselor. He was a famous man in the land. David made him what he was. Ahithophel turned on David. Hithfell never had built anything. All the world Hithfell did was have somebody that made him what he was. But worse than that, there's a fellow named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a little fellow who was crippled. David one day sent his servant Ziba down to the land of Lodabar and got that little crippled fellow and brought him to the palace. And in honor of his father, Jonathan, uh, and his grandfather, Saul, David adopted Mephibosheth, that little crippled, poor guy, as his own son, and sat him at the king's table, and made him one of his own sons, and made him heir of all that David had, and now then David gets in trouble, and this dirty little crippled fellow turns on David. I'll guarantee you this. If a pastor here will tell you this, a brother up here, a brother over here, brother back here, they'll tell you this is true. Normally, the ones that turn on you are the ones you've done the most harm. The truth is, they, and here's what they do, Paul McCaffrey, they hurt you with people they would never have known without you. We'll take a guy who graduates from Miles Anderson College. He's not known outside his own dorm room. Which is for his good. <coughs> what do we do? Put him on the staff. What else do we do? Put him up here in pastor school before a nation. Let him talk. Let folks know him. What else do we do? Put him up here at youth conference. Let him speak at youth conference. What else do we do? We send him around the country, maybe preaching, representing our college. What else do we do? Make the guy famous. I mean that. Please don't misunderstand me, fellas. But, but none of us is famous because we deserve to be famous. Dr. John Rice picked me up as an unknown preacher down in Texas and made me known around the world. And just for what he did for me, God has used me to do for these men on this platform here. 
But what, what happens is this. They will take, uh, and this is what happened here. Ahithophel, Mephibosheth, Absalom were made. They wouldn't have been known by anybody. Ahithophel wouldn't have been known by anybody outside of his own neighbor, neighborhood. Hadn't been for David. So what happens? They hurt you with the fame they would never have known without you. You lift them up so they can kick you down. Number, number six. It is usually against someone who has helped you in the past. Man turned on me a few weeks ago. About five years ago, and Judy Anderson can tell me exactly how long, but about five years ago, he came to me and was having financial troubles. I said, I'll, I'll do I'll pay you a car payment. I'm not sure if I paid it all, or most of it, but it mattered to, uh, you, you, uh, I won't go into that. But it mattered to a sizable amount of month. I, I, maybe the whole, whole car payment, maybe most of it, I don't know. But uh, for five years, I've been doing that. For five years. Been making his car payment for him. What does it do? He turns on me. I'm thinking about a fella who was going to marry a girl his mother didn't want him to marry. I interceded. Used my influence to stop the wedding. His wife was going to marry somebody that was, that was wrong for her. I interceded. Helped there. I could go on and on and on and on and tell you stories in the last 43 years of my life of pastoring. You sit with the house. Doesn't that make you bitter and not want to help anybody anymore? Oh, no, it doesn't. Not at all. No, no. Anybody here wanting to make your car payment, see me after the service. <laughs> I can tell you, one of the families, probably if, if, I, if I listed the five bitterest enemies I have in the world, this family would be one of them. They live in this area. They're going to lose their house. I mean, lose it. I mean, had to go back, no place to live, move to an apartment, or rent. I gave them $1,000 myself, out of my own pocket. And then arranged for them where they would not lose their house. Within a year's time, they were off, they were off me. They used to preach, you try to buy folks off, haven't got that money to buy folks off. But I'll tell you one thing, brother, if you give me $1,000 and I turn on you, that $1,000 back, back in the mail to you tomorrow. They I turn against you, you'll get your $1,000 back. I'm not saying you ought to stick with the fellow because he gives you $1,000. I'm saying if you're going to go against him, give him his $1,000 back. Okay, I'm saying that usually it's against someone who has helped you. Kind of hurry. Number seven, the evil is usually against a former hero. It's usually against a former hero. Number eight, it, now get this. This is one of the sad things. It is their evil that brings them together. The common cause that they have is destruction. Wouldn't you hate to think that your life is wrapped up in an endeavor <coughs> that brings you together with a group of people with whom you're going to spend your life and the common cause is to destroy something? Wouldn't you hate? Thank God the causes I have, the cause of First Baptist Church of Hammond, the cause of Howells Anderson College, and the cause of all that I do, we're together to do what? Get people out of hell. Lift up the fallen. Reclaim those who've drifted away. Bring back those who've gone away. That's what we're in business for. That's what brings us together. But, but evildoers, just like, that's what, that's what brought Ahithophel with, look, look at chapter, 
15 again. I think it's verse 12. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, verse 12. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, and David's counselor from the, his city, even from Gilo, where he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy, there's the word, was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. All right. <coughs> number <coughs> number um, nine. I want, I want you to follow me carefully. Evil workers usually do it again. Robert L. Sumner couldn't destroy Curtis Hudson. He worked on Jack Hiles. Usually do it again. Evil people. Listen, folks are not evil because they do evil. They do evil because they're evil. And so when you get in the habit of doing evil, you'll do evil the next time and the next time. And, and I'm not standing here at night to try to, to hurt anybody that's not here. I'm trying to warn you, spend your life doing good and not evil. And, when, and I'm trying to warn you also, when people do evil to you because you do good, don't shoot evil back. You just overcome evil with good. Now, that doesn't mean that every time anybody criticizes you, <coughs> you're supposed to send them a suit. The other day I got a letter from down south. So I, I heard that every time anybody's your enemy, you send them a Schofield Bible. Well, I don't do that anymore. They don't print that many. I send them the Revised Standard Version now <laughs> because they like that. But anyway, um, now I'm not saying that every time anybody call uh, spreads some dirty gossip about you, that you ought to go send them a gift certificate to Tebow's. I'm saying that keep on doing good. Keep on doing the good you're doing now. Keep on doing the good that caused them to do evil to you. There's nothing in the world the devil would like any more than for, for you to join his crowd of evildoers. He wants you to start fighting back. <coughs> now, you may have to defend yourself, but you can defend yourself by attacking somebody else. And he says, he says this, when, people, when you do good, evil will come your way. But when evil comes your way, keep on doing your good and do more good and overcome evil with good. They usually do it again. By the way, listen carefully to this. When they do it again, they usually do it to each other. You check the record of people in America. Listen. <coughs> I can tell you, <coughs> church after church in America, where the pastor has been attacked by some evildoers to injure him, <coughs> and they... Do what Absalom did. They go around talking, just like Absalom did. He lived today. It wouldn't be McDonald's. It'd be rallies, but somewhere. Anyway, and then they split and started a church. And within three or four years, at, at the shortest, the split split. The split split. Because the people that split are splitters. And so they split. I can tell you case after case after case after case. So, uh, number ten, got to hurry. You usually hear very little from them again. 
Ahithophel is not mentioned in the Bible anymore. Mephibosheth is not mentioned in the Bible anymore. After Korah's rebellion, he wasn't mentioned in the Bible anymore. Even after Barnabas left Paul, he wasn't mentioned about anything he did anymore. Let me read this. You might better check to see what happened to the last batch before you ship out. Want it again? You might better check and see what happened to the last batch before you ship out. In the 19 years of Howells Anderson College history, we've had four or five times people who have, who, are, who have, by the way, in every case, every case, they weren't known outside the county until they came here. And also, if I ask you where they are tonight, not one person out of 500 could tell us. They went from internationally known people who were given a platform here for America <coughs> and were given a name. You better check and see what happened to them. Check it before you go to McDonald's with that person. Before, before you ever sit down at rallies of Burger King with Absalom, check and see what happened to the last Absalom. You might check and see what happened to this one. I'm going to tell you something else. In every case of evil, <coughs> there's also something deeper than that. Would you like to know how Absalom was killed? He got his hair caught in a tree. I'll never be killed that way. I won't even be injured that way. But if, if I ever did get killed because of my hair caught in the tree, it'd almost be a wonderful way to go. Very interesting. He had long hair, didn't he? <coughs> had long hair. <coughs> there was some other conviction. Other than my dad didn't treat me right, there was a conviction problem. He had long hair. You usually hear very little from them again. Number 11. They think they have outgrown their leaders. Follow me carefully. <coughs> Here's a leader who these people leads in building a work. <coughs> Here are some students that come and they sit in the classes with Dr. Evans and others. I'll use Dr. Evans, as I've done before, as an example here. <coughs> and they, they love Dr. Evans. And by the way, he's worthy of your love. And worthy of your fellowship. And worthy of you copying, too. But they sit in Dr. Evans' class. While they sit in chapel. And they say, that's a great man. And he teaches them all they know. Now, what happens? They get to the place where they think they know more than Dr. Evans knows. See, here, here was Dr. Evans, and here they were down here. So they learned and learned and learned and learned, and they think equal to Dr. Evans. 
They don't understand that while they've been learning, Dr. Evans has been learning also. See? And Dr. Evans still knows more than you do. You former students of Howells Anderson College. Dr. Evans has forgotten more than you know. In fact, he's forgotten all he knows. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that none of us are hot shots. I'm not a hot shot. You're not a hot shot. Haven't been for John Rice and my pastor and a few others that lifted me up and gave me a chance back to when I was just a little old 27, 28, 29-year-old kid preacher. I'd still be out in the sticks of East Texas, but thank God for people that lifted me up, and I'm never going to made me what I am. Never am. Never am. And you're not a hot shot either. No, you're not. But you get to the place where you think you know more than your leader does. I will tell you something. You will never feel as lonely as you'll feel that first night you go to bed after you, after you destroyed your leader. You will have lost a security that you will never understand that you lose it. Every person needs somebody up here. And by the way, you stick with him, he'll lift you higher under him than you'll go by yourself without him. And you'll be a greater man. Listen, these men on the platform right here. <coughs> Ed Lapina. The, the whole world knows he plays golf and goes rowing and canoeing and bowling and ball games. The whole world knows. And, and hides that he's going, he says he's going soul winning. But the whole world knows. I mean, fundamental America knows Ed Lapina. But you'll be surprised. Please don't misunderstand me, Eddie. Please don't misunderstand me. You'd be surprised how quickly folks will forget you if you're out under the canopy of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. And by the way, me too. They forget me too. I know a man who used to work for one of my best friends. He's still one of my best friends. Pastor at a big church in another state, the southeast. This man was, was, was his bus director. And the bus director... Thought he grew. He measured his hat size one day and, and didn't, look, didn't measure it correctly. And he measured his britches and found they, did, they were too tight. And so he got too big for his britches. And he took about 200 people <clears throat> from the man who made him what he was. By the way, at that time, this man was one of the best known men in America in his field. Everybody in America knew it. Fifteen years ago, I could have called his name anywhere in America, <coughs> a fundamental group that known him, just like they know Jim Vineyard. This man took that, those people, evil, did evil, pulled them out of the church of a good friend of mine. Nobody knows where he is. Folks ask me across the country, where's so-and-so? And the truth is, most of the people that were calling his name don't even know his name now. And the ones that know his name don't know where he is. Brother, one thing that God has helped me with through these years, I've never betrayed one single person who's contributed to make me whatever I am. I've never betrayed my mama. I've never betrayed my Uncle Harvey. I've never betrayed my pastor. My pastor was a Southern Baptist. I don't say anything about that. I've never betrayed him. I taught my pastor how to be a soul winner when I went to a revival meeting with my pastor, the lay people were soul winners. I taught him how to be a soul winner, but it took him a soul winner with me. I don't mention that. I mention tonight's illustration. I don't mention stuff like that. Why? I've never betrayed my pastor. I've never betrayed John Rice. 
I've never betrayed Lee Robertson. I've never betrayed Bob Jones Sr. I will not betray those who helped to put me wherever I am. Number 12. It is usually those who have built nothing. Built nothing. Now, you don't know best how to run a college better than Dr. Evans and me if you've never built chicken cook. It's you, that's who it is. Show me a building they've built. Show me a budget they've raised. They've been paid by somebody else's budget and worked in somebody else's buildings. Now, you say, preacher, what are you doing? Trying to get back at folks? No, sir. I'm trying to preserve you for the useful, fruitful life that God has for you. I'm trying to warn you from the story of Absalom against... And by the way, I'll be gone one of these days. I mean, I'll pass off the scene. I'll be only a memory. Starts with a fond memory, but a, a memory. Only a memory. But I want you to be the kind of person that gets the most out of life. And I want you to have a full, rich life. And you won't have it by doing evil to people. You'll have it by doing good. I could, I could call out close to this. I could call a list of names that long tonight. And I'll not call one person. Of godly, good, spiritual, soul-winning men. Who've been mercilessly attacked. Who have rendered evil for the evil rendered to them. And it destroyed their ministry. I, I will not mention a name. He's a famous man. Was. You would not know him as a household name. Now follow me carefully. People have compared me with this man more than I've been compared with any other man who's ever lived in America. This man, in my opinion, did more for America than any other man, more for fundamental people, churches in America than any man that's ever lived. He's not a household word like John R. Rice or Bob Jones Sr. But this man did amazing work. When this man got about the age that I am now, the younger, maybe, there was conspiracy against him. He had done so much good. Preachers all across the country turned against him. And because of that, he quit doing good. Hear me now. He quit doing good. What did he do? He fought back. He would call one of his enemies, a preacher, on Sunday morning, five minutes before he walked in the pulpit. He would say, hey, Brother Jones. I'm talking about this famous preacher did the calling. Brother Jones said, this is called his name. He said, hope when you walk in the sacred dust this morning, you realize exactly what a skunk you are. How would you like to preach after the most famous Baptist preacher in the world calls you a skunk five minutes for you? That's what he would do. You like that, don't you? You love it, don't you? And that's why you're a flop. By the way... He started rendering evil for evil. It's hard not to do. It's hard not to do.
I know what I'm talking about. Most of you know what I'm talking about. It's hard enough to do. But what's the thing to do? If that man had just kept on doing what it always done. Kept on doing what... And, and by the way, his life... Well, my heroes, by the way. His life has been used to help me right now. Not to do what he did. Because I want... He passed away at about 72. Age of 72. If I live to be 72... I want my last eight years to be wonderful, fruitful years. Not years of bitterness. Not years of rendering evil for evil. Not years of trying to hurt somebody. But years of trying to lift and help and encourage and save and feed and clothe. And I want you to have a life. See, <coughs> sin can you, can... you can stumble into sin. But you don't stumble into evil. Sin does not necessarily is not necessarily premeditated. Evil is always premeditated. Now I cannot keep you from some time. If you your hammer and nail and you hit the wrong nail, and you say dirty breaker back a pack of more bunch of bunch of slattery up, that's exactly what I would have said if I'd hit my nail. And that you shouldn't have said it. But but that's not premeditated. You didn't say, I'm going to hit my finger on this next blow. When I do, I'm going to bust loose a mouthful. You didn't say that. It was, it was spontaneous. Consequently, that is going to happen to all of us. I want to say this word, and I'll close again. Now, hear me carefully here. There is no way that you can live above sin. But you can live above evil. It's interesting. I'll close with this. In the Lord's Prayer, now follow me carefully, get the wording of it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, he goes on to say later on, forgive us our sins. Hear me now. Don't leave me. Forgive us our sins. Did he done it? Didn't say deliver us from sin. But deliver us from evil. You can't be delivered from sin. You can be delivered from evil.